Hello. Good afternoon. Hope you're okay. It's great that we're full, but it is sad that that does mean that some of you are at home when you'd rather be here. And um, just know that we're going to be continuing to think about all these things, think about how we can all continue to meet together and uh, doing our very best um, to make sure as many of us can get out to meet as possible. We do have a few spaces on the Monday evening, so if you are watching online and you're thinking, oh, I'd really like to see some people from church, then uh, there are a few spots that you could sign up for right now if you wanted to. So, uh, Johnny, can I ask a massive favor? Can you um, unlock your laptop, which I'm boring because I forgot mine, and um, keep it unlocked? That'd be amazing. So today we're talking about, uh, I don't want to use the word vision. I think often when we come to these uh, moments in a a church calendar, uh, we get used to this idea that someone like me will come and do a little talking about, about what we're aiming for, what we're about, who are we, what's our vision for the church. And uh, I'm a bit uncomfortable with it. I'm a bit uncomfortable with the idea of like vision Sundays. Now, the reason I'm uncomfortable with it is because I actually believe that we are not doing what I think often these things end up doing, probably not deliberately, but they often end up being a little bit of a marketing exercise. Hey, come and check our church out. Isn't our church great? Come and be part of our church. Our church is amazing. Think of the things that you could be involved with at our church, the way that you'll be served, consumer. We don't want to do that. So we're calling this talk Being Glasgow Grace. The reason we're calling it that is because you, if you are a regular attender here, you are Glasgow Grace. I um, first sensed a call to move back to Glasgow uh, in a prayer meeting, small prayer meeting on the south coast of England. And it was a, a prophetic moment, a moment where I just felt like, where I knew, in fact, that God was calling Lindsay and I and our family to drive back up north at some point and, and plant a church. And... Um, Although that was the beginning of the story for us, I think it's really important to say that actually I don't look at it like that. That was the beginning of, in fact, it wasn't the beginning of any of our stories because from everlasting, God has been planning for us to exist as a family. God has been planning for us to exist as a body. People together on a mission in this city, giving it their all for Jesus. And so although that's where it might have begun, actually each of us has a story. And one of the things that I'm really encouraged about is that since moving, so many people have, have had conversations, I've had conversations with over coffee or whatever, and, and suddenly I'm like, God has put the same things on your heart. God is doing something in you, has been shaping you for years to get to the point where we're, we're ready, where God is getting us ready to do something together. And so I just think it's so important in an age of consumerism and of individualism that we do not get caught up in the idea of churches somehow selling themselves. It's not what we're doing here. We're committed to being Christ-like, to following after Jesus, 
to laying down our lives for God to do it together, not just to have a neat little mission statement, but to be a movement of people who are called to advance in the kingdom of God. So, there's a few key questions that we need to ask ourselves. Who are we? Who are we? I think that's the overarching question. But there are two questions underneath that that we we regularly ask ourselves and we give an answer to, but maybe it's not fully explained. Maybe it's not fully understood. Maybe it's not, we don't connect the dots like maybe we should or would want to. And so those two questions are, why do we exist? And the answer is, for God's glory and Glasgow's good. And then the second question is, what are we pursuing? I've gone old school, by the way. You like that? Uh, now, Todd, it's going to help me out because this is a bit small. So for you guys at the back, you're like, oh, straining. But don't worry because when that's working, oh, look at that. Beautiful. It's even bigger than it is for me. Um, and the second question is, what are we pursuing? And the answer is love, truth, and unity. And I just want to spell out to us again, what are these things? What do we mean by these things? And what does it mean for us to be Glasgow Grace? So let me pray before we begin. Father, we just pause for a moment and say to you, God, you are building your church. Remind ourselves, Father, this is your work. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and do something remarkable in our hearts that that fuses us together somehow this afternoon. That means that we don't just look out for ourselves when it comes to church, but we recognize that we're not coming to to be served, but to serve like you came to serve us. There's a a Christ-likeness to what it means to just be a part of your bride. So Lord, we, we want to imitate you. We want to be led by you. And we ask you, God, come now and reveal to us your plans, not, not my plans, not anybody else's plans, your plans. And Lord, I do pray that if there are any plans in here, any strategies that we might think, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's from God and we have to go in this direction, Lord, if, if it's not from you, would you make it clear? Would you help us to be people who are radically about laying our own plans down for the, the ways of God, for your ways? Come now, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, so we exist for God's glory and Glasgow's good. How on earth do you describe God's glory? What does that mean? It's one of those things that we say almost every week. It's um, on the bottom of all my emails. It's it's, it's one of those phrases that, that we're constantly talking about in the church. But what does it actually mean? God's glory. Well, I actually don't know if I can describe it. Not adequately, anyway. 
It needs to be glimpsed. It's like trying to describe my first kiss with Lindsay. No. Beautiful moment, 18 years old, mugged at Country Park, overlooking Claybank, Drumchapel, west end of the city, over the river. It was a nice night. Sunset. <laughs> Lovely. Now, I could use, to describe, to describe that first kiss, I could use the medical definition of a kiss, which I, I'm going to do. And I, I think if Lindsay was here, she'd be thrilled with this explanation. The anatomical juxtaposition of two orbicularis, MD, MD medical here, something like that, oris muscles in a state of contraction. What do you think? Does that do it? Does that sum up the romance? The glory of the moment? It's not adequate, is it? Not the most romantic, but try and describe it in any other way and it just becomes weird. You, you can't really describe that moment. Now, maybe some poets will try and they'll do a pretty good job, but for me, I can't really describe that to you adequately. God's glory is a little bit like that. You cannot describe it adequately. It is God's all-surpassing worth. Here's my attempt to describe it. From great moments of glorious revelation, like clouds coming down from the sky, um, fire coming down on mountains, uh, incredible moments where people are encountered by God and they fall face down. It's like Psalm 19 says, it's, it's looking to the skies, looking heavenward and seeing the stars and seeing the glory that is being displayed, God's glory displayed in the stars. Or as John describes it at the beginning of his gospel, it's the coming of Jesus as a human being, the, the God would come and become flesh. We have seen his glory, he says. There are so many ways of describing God's glory because, because it's, it's something that is indescribable. And yet we describe it in so many ways to try and grasp something of it. Because God is infinite. He is more wonderful than we could ever imagine. And when he is on display, he is being glorified. The glory of God is being revealed in some way. Jesus, who is described at the beginning of Hebrews as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Wow is also described in Colossians 1 as the one through, through whom think all things were made. In fact, in, in him all things were made and for him all things were made. In fact, what we're saying there then is that everything that has ever existed exists to glorify God. There is not one thing that does not exist that has not been, that, that, that has not been, what am I trying to say? That has been made that wasn't made to glorify God. So, 
the obvious conclusion there is that we are made to glorify God. And actually, as the church, it seems to me as we read through the New Testament that we have been given a particular role to glorify God as the church, as his redeemed people, as people that he has called as his own. And so you read in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and we can say this to each other, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We exist for him to make our lives about him. And amazingly within that, we are satisfied. We find that in living for the glory of God, not living for self and our own glory, that actually there is more purpose and meaning and joy and happiness than there could be anywhere else. And then we say, we don't just want to live for God's glory, but we want to live, uh, we don't just exist for God's glory, but we want to exist for Glasgow's good. What do we mean by that? Well, as we live for God, who is benevolent, who is good in every single way, we instinctively will increasingly live for the good of others. Because as we receive the goodness of God, the goodness of God overflows out of us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can do good across the city, across Glasgow. So why do we exist? We exist for God's glory and Glasgow's good. William Temple, the great Anglican minister, said, the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. So we we don't exist for ourselves. We exist to the glory of God, for the glory of God, and for the benefit of others, not ourselves. And actually, as we get into what all of this means when we get to what we're pursuing, even where it's of great benefit to us, it's always of benefit to others. That is the nature of the gospel. And so that's the basis for everything. Everything you do, everything we are. For God's glory and Glasgow's good. And what are we pursuing? Well, we're pursuing Love, truth, and unity. And when we get to love, there's some really important things that we need to say. So, time to get my pen out. When we talk about pursuing love, I think it can be really easy to jump the order of importance and get somewhere too fast. What do I mean by that? Well, I think there is an order here. Number one, loved by God. Number two, love God. Number three, love, oh, I'm smudging everywhere. Do you know what happened? I was like, I was in primary school and um, I was learning to write and I hadn't listened to the teacher. So I had to copy the person next to me. She was left-handed. Now a smudge. Love one another. Love our city, or you could say our neighbors. And it has to go 
in that order. And I think it's really important that we say that. So you look at 1 John 4, verse 10, and this is love. There's a definition here in the Bible of what love is. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as a substitutionary atonement or propitiation for our sin. Then it goes on to say, therefore, love one another. It's so important that we get this. Because if we jump in here to love one another, then we're just, we're just a club. We're just a, another society or another movement, another ideology. We're nothing more than that. Even if we jump in here at love God, actually, if we immediately jump in there and don't understand that we've been loved by the grace of God, that this is a free gift of God's love for us to enjoy first, then we will become legalistic. We will become people who get very religious, who are trying to prove ourselves to God all the time because we don't get that God adores us and loves us, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what he has done. That's what that substitutionary atonement was, that propitiation. It was that Jesus was willing to come and die in our place before we deserved it, while we were still sinners. And so at Glasgow Grace, we are going to constantly talk about grace. <laughs> it's in the name. We're going to keep talking about grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We begin our pursuit of love by God's loving pursuit of us. We don't begin out of our own efforts. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. It doesn't take long for moralistic religion to creep in. Let's keep talking about grace. It all begins with God. God loves us. God loves you. Love God. We've got to respond to this love with love. <laughs> he wants a relationship with us. He's our father. He calls, us our, he calls us his children. We get to be loved by God, to enjoy him, to be with him. When the lawyer said to Jesus, what's the most, what's the most important? What's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Nothing is more important than loving God with all we have. As we are flooded with his lavish grace for us, as we come and enjoy the love of God. So let me just be really clear. That means, I'm gonna get to this in a minute, but every time we meet on a, sun, on a Sunday, every time we meet at Grace Communities, every time we share, there's some extras down here I'll talk about, um, every time we share in our Grace Bible reading, every time we go and get involved in a course that we're running, like a CAP course that we're thinking about doing, Christians Against Poverty, every time we do anything, every time we have a coffee with someone, every time we have someone around for dinner, every time we just meet with someone to pray, we are saying, that we're declaring to one another that we are meeting because God loves us. We're saying to one another, 
God loves you, not because you're special, not because you're amazing, not because you've done anything, not because you've looked deep inside yourself and found some way of being great. No, because despite you, God loves you, and now I love you. And that's when we move on. Love one another. Back to the first verse I quoted. God loves you, and it's worked out on the cross, propitiation, but the organic follow-on here is therefore love one another. And actually to love this city well, we need to love each other. Now, the evangelist in the room is like, come on, we just got to get out there, we just got to do it. I agree, we do, we just got to get out there, we got to do it. But we got to do it as we love one another. They will know you by your love for one another. That's what Jesus said. So we are not reaching this city as individuals. We're reaching this city together. As people on a mission together. So what does that mean? How does that, how is that worked out? Well, in Grace Communities, we do all kinds of things together. One of them is simply... I'm gonna, should I keep going red? No. Can I go blue? Red seems a bit angry to me. Can I go blue? Okay, Grace Communities. We do a bunch of different things. And we have four kind of staples, if you like. Food. Great. I love that one. But it's also communion. And then we have mission. That takes different forms. Sometimes we go out and do something together. Sometimes we're just praying for each other's friends. Or maybe we're inviting our friends to something that we're doing together. So we've got food, we've got mission, we've got prayer, and we've got Bible. And actually each of those things you could draw lines from up here to different parts of what it means to love and so each of these things, we don't just do because we like them. <laughs> we do them because to take communion together says something about our unity, for instance. I'll come on to that in a moment. But it also says something about the way that God has loved us. And it says something about how we can love one another as we get around the table together. And I could keep going. All of these different areas we do for a reason. And what I'm going to do in a minute is I'll just start going crazy, drawing some lines so that we can be really clear about what they are. But as we look to then love the city, so we love one another, we're loved by God, we love God, we love one another, and we love the city. As we look to love the city, it's so important that we don't look to love the city in a superficial way. It's very easy to love cafes. It's very easy to love trendy areas. It's very easy to love a football team. But do you really deeply, truly love the people of the city? Do you, love, do you, do you care when you read about something where someone has been mistreated in our city? Do you, does it hurt you that there are so many homeless people on our streets. 
Does it break your heart that there is such a disparity between rich and poor in our city? Does it break your heart? More than anything else, I would say, that only about one and a half to two percent of people in this city know and love Jesus. We've got to love people enough to serve. We've got to love people enough to listen. And we've got to love people enough to tell. I had a prophetic word. In fact, we had a prophetic word as a church um, when we were at an advanced conference about 18 months ago. We were telling this, um, telling this room full of people about our vision for Glasgow and for Glasgow Grace and what we believed God was calling us to. And uh, it was in those moments probably where I was starting to learn that actually this isn't about just like a strategy, but about a movement of, of a people group. And this guy came up to me afterwards and he said, I love your, your, your talk uh, about how you want people in the city of all different backgrounds to love one another to be together in your pursuit of Jesus from diverse backgrounds and that people from rich areas and poor areas would all be together. And, but as you were speaking, I, I just saw this picture. And it was a picture of a river, a meandering river. And in that river, there were stepping stones. And one was placed and there was a splash Water's dispersed around it, and God is encouraging us to jump onto this stepping stone. And then after a while, it seems like a, a bit of time has gone past, another stepping stone comes, and we have to jump onto that one. And then another one comes, and we jump onto that one. And so the way that I think God was speaking through this picture was that we should pursue that kind of love with all we've got. We want to love this city with everything we've got, but it will take time, and that's okay. And that we need to get appropriate stepping stones that God is putting in our, our way to jump onto, and then onto the next one, and onto the next one. If tomorrow, as a church, we decide we are going to solve the homeless problem in Glasgow, I imagine that unless... And praise God if he comes and does this. Unless God suddenly does some extraordinary miracles by increasing the number of people we have, um, giving us so many resources that loads of us could have full-time jobs doing that, and we could have a great building and all kinds of things to, to host this and to make it happen, then I don't think we're maybe, that, maybe that stepping stone's not being put there. But we are thinking, okay, what needs are in the city right now? Okay, lots of people look like they're being made redundant or be unemployed in the coming months. You can have some money issues. There doesn't seem to be a, a money course being run by CAP in the, in the city. And so we're in conversation with them about how we could run one. Stepping stone, four-week course. But let's build on it. Let's pray on it. Let's, get God, let's pray that God multiplies it. Stepping stone. Stepping stone, stepping stone. And hey, who knows what God is going to do over the years. We also are pursuing truth. 
Psalm 25, lead me in your truth and teach me. And you know the Glasgow motto, don't you? Let Glasgow flourish by the preaching of thy word and the praising of thy name. And we want to see that motto restored, genuinely restored by the preaching of the gospel, of the good news, the, this wonderful news that Jesus has come and he's come to rescue us and that everyone in this city has an opportunity to respond to that love. To do that, we need to preach and teach all the Bible. Genesis to Revelation. We are in a, a moment of, of a cultural shift where there is real pressure on churches not to preach the truth. At Glasgow Grace, we will continue to preach the truth. As we understand it in Scripture, we will continue to get into the Bible. There will be no part of the Bible that we do not want to explain. I'm not saying we're going to preach every word of the Bible. That would be amazing if uh, any, any preacher ever was able to do that or, or a team of uh, teachers. But we, do, we are unashamedly about every word, Genesis to Revelation, the whole story. We follow Jesus' example in that. He unswervingly taught the Bible. He came preaching and teaching, Luke 4.18. And he kept doing that again and again and again until it got him killed. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Knowing and believing will transform your life. And it's trusting God at his word that will continue to transform us. If we do not hold to that, we will end up in a place where we believe something that is not Christian. That is not what Jesus came to do. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me just do a couple of arrows to help us out here. So, truth. Where are we seeing that happen? Well, often on Sundays, right? Pretty big arrow for that one. In grace communities, yeah, pretty big arrow down to our Bible nights, okay? But it's not limited to that. We... We'll have extras. So we're talking about doing training events and courses for different people um, in the coming months whenever COVID allows or government allows. And um, there might be something like a training night on the prophetic. You're interested in learning more about prophetic? We'll teach biblically and then we'll give some examples and we'll help people and we'll train people and we'll show people and we'll pray for God to come and move in power. People who are gifted in that way will lead that. So people with different gifts will come and do that. And we'll do that for all sorts of different things. Also, it's so, I just want to be really clear on this. This isn't the only place where teaching takes place. This isn't the only place where teaching place, takes place. It happens in relationship. Yes, doctrinally, what we believe as a church, it's going to flow from here, and then it's going to flow a bit from your grace communities as well, and your grace community leaders, but it's also one-on-one -on -one conversations over coffee. It's all these other things. Okay, we're going to pursue truth with all we've got.
Unity. Now, when we're talking about pursuing unity, we are talking about three things. We're talking about being one in Christ. Heart of the gospel is so clear that we are to be one people of many people groups. That those barriers were broken down by Christ. Uh, Lindsay and I were at a conference just after Annabelle was born in Greece. And it's one of the most profound weeks of my life. We went along and it was just nothing like your typical Christian conference. We had people from Kazakhstan. We had people from China. We had people um, from Greenland. We had people from all over Western Europe, all over Southern Europe. We had uh, people from Scandinavia. Uh, There were people there from Serbia and Croatia. And it was wonderful. (laughs) People could barely understand each other, but there was just this amazing warmth and joy in the room because people knew that they were one in Christ. People were so overjoyed to be there. The worship was extraordinary. People singing out in all sorts of different languages. People um, listening through translators and their little earpieces and some just when there was only maybe two or three of them, there was just a translator that had been organized for them to come and speak to them um, while the preaching was taking place. It was a beautiful thing. Um, One of the most poignant moments was when some Bosnian Croats who had come to faith and planted a church from regions where their friends and family members had been killed by Serbians, the Serbs, they laid, uh, it's an incredible moment, they they gathered around the Serb uh, church, the Serbian church uh, that was there, and they laid hands on them and blessed them and told them that they had forgiven uh, them, that they loved them, and there was just this glorious prayer time that took place. In fact, it went on for so long that we all had to leave because it just kept going. Tears everywhere. That's the kind of unity in Christ we're talking about. So you might look to people in Glasgow and think, they're so different from me. I'll never be able to, to cross that boundary. There's no way that I'll ever be able to connect with that person or that person or that person. That's not true. In Christ, you can Because by the power of the Spirit, because of what Jesus has done, because of the cross, now we all can come to him and be one in him. So what does that mean? It means that when you go to your grace communities, it means that when you come along on Sundays, you don't just talk to your pals. It means you don't just sit in your cliques at grace communities. It means that we all look different from one another. We come from different backgrounds. We're all different ages. My dream is that the 82-year-old from the East End who has so much faithfulness and experience of what it means to know and love Jesus sits next to the 25-year-old single girl who's struggling with the idea of being single and when all our friends are getting married and then they sit across from a couple who are happily married and yet they all love one another so well. Those kind of relationships are so unique in the church where everyone else in the city is gathering to people who are like them. We should be gathering to people who are unlike us but we are together in Christ with 
Revelation 21 is this glorious description of the new heaven and the new earth with Zion at the center. And the, the end of that chapter, the construction of Zion in that image is made complete with these words. The glory and honor of the nations or all people groups will be brought into it. This is so important in the, in the good news and the gospel and I would love it to be represented here more and more. It's partly why we believe that God is calling us to have meetings centrally and then to be in grace communities throughout the city. Grace communities will inevitably be slightly more homogenized. The people groups will be slightly more similar because if you're in the West End, a certain type of person often lives in the West End. Hopefully, there's lots of internationals, there's lots of people who can get together who are very different to one another. That's what we want. But when you, we all get together on a Sunday, there's even more togetherness. togetherness. And I, I would ask you that you would make a real effort to try and speak to people and love people um, from different backgrounds. Um, and so one day, we, one day soon, we hope, we'll be able to have a building that will allow us to run things throughout the week and, and gather people on Sundays and then meet again, hopefully soon, in homes and grace communities and see those multiplied again and again. The second thing is that we are to work together as a church body. That's what we're talking about with unity. It says this in Romans, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We are one body, many different gifts. One of the real travesties of the modern church is that we have bought in subtly to consumerism by going along to the churches that we feel are a best fit for us. Instead of thinking, how do I complement the people around me and how do they complement me? You see, the beginning of that verse starts with humility. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And I think it leads into that passage because... What Paul is trying to say to the church in Rome and what I would say to us today is we need to not just be thinking about our hobby horses and the things that we love and the things that we want to be about, but to be thinking about how we complement one another through our gifts and to be humble enough to receive from someone who has a different gift. I love being around people who have gifts in prayer, gifts in the prophetic, gifts of uh, healing. I love being around people who have gifts in administration. Let me tell you, I love that gift. There are so many gifts I love to be around, but I feel like I've had to learn that 
because initially I just loved being around other people who loved just digging into the Bible at a kind of teachery type level. I just loved it. I still love it. But it's really important that I realize that I need all these other people. We are not the body of the church as it's supposed to be unless we are complementing each other by our differences. And it's vital. And the third thing I would say is this, that those two things are not possible unless we are constantly calling out for more of the Spirit of God. We need His power. We need His presence. We need the Holy Spirit to flood us again and again. We need meetings where the Holy Spirit moves so powerfully in our midst. We need his power. And actually, we need his power for all these things. We need his power in every meeting. We need his power to love. To, we need his power to love one another. We need his power to love the city. We need his power to reveal truth to us. We need his power to bring us unity. We need his power, the Holy Spirit. You know, I just, I, I find it so easy to just see church as something we do. We are the church, all of us. We exist for God's glory and Glasgow's good. And together, if we're truly together, if we're truly united in these pursuits, pursuing love, pursuing truth, pursuing unity, we will see God do great things, I'm sure of it. But we must resist the idea that we just do it our own way and instead humble ourselves and say, okay, how can we do this together? And by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna pray now. Andy's gonna come up and uh, lead us in a song. I'm gonna pray now. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come and just remind us of who we are and what we're about. I'm gonna ask him to come and speak uh, into our hearts about what it is that some of us might be called to as part of the church that we don't even know yet. I believe that there are people out here today, people at home, who have extraordinary gifts that are undiscovered, untapped. God wants to give you gifts. So Andy, why don't you come up and um, I'll pray for us. Father, we ask that you would send your spirit now, that we would open ourselves up to you and to your power. Lord, that you would give us faith for what you want to do. Thank you, Father, that these grace communities, they're not just going to remain as four 
But Lord, we pray for multiplication upon multiplication. Pray, Lord, that there will be people in here that don't even think of themselves as a leader right now who will be trained and inspired and filled and equipped to lead grace communities throughout this city, that see people in their area loved and heard and told the gospel and come to faith and join their grace community. Pray, Lord, that right now, even as we listen to um, this song that Andy's going to bring, that we would know your love so much more than maybe we ever have before. We need you. We need your love in every way. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal to us the glory of God. We want to live for you. We want to live in your love and your presence. Enjoy you forever. Come, Holy Spirit.